Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest talks to us about much more. Well, today I want to talk to you about much more, much more of the gospel of Jesus Christ that's available to us. Most Christians today, when they think about what Jesus did for them in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, they think about the forgiveness of sins. And we should think about that, and we should be grateful for that, because sin was the obstacle between God and man until Jesus paid the price to reconcile God and man. Amen? But this morning, I want to let you know that Jesus did much more than just forgive your sins. When you accepted Him as Lord and Savior, He had much more for you, and we're going to talk about that this morning, and you're probably going to hear the phrase, much more, much more. Amen? Hallelujah. Uh, before we begin, I, I have to give credit where credit is due. I, I heard this message preached by my pastor, Pastor Sam Carr, in Shreveport, Louisiana, a little over a week ago, uh, at the Freedom Crusade and ministers meetings that Trish and I attended. And it made such an impact on my heart. I just knew that I had to pass it on to my congregation. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it won't come out quite the same with me, and I'm using a few different scriptures than he did. I'm emphasizing some things that he didn't emphasize, and he emphasized some things that I'm not going to emphasize. But the gist of it is, you got to know that Jesus did more than forgive your sins. There is much more to the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the word is filled with much more. Let's begin with 1 Corinthians 2.4 in the King James Version. It may at first seem like an odd verse to start with when we're talking about much more, but I think you'll catch my drift if you'll just hang with me. 1 Corinthians 2.4 in the King James Version says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Amen. God desires to demonstrate to His people. Demonstrate what? Demonstrate his love. And when he demonstrates through the spirit and power, we usually associate that with signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, by the way, signs, wonders, and miracles are a demonstration of God's love for his people and for the people of the world. Never forget that. It's not just God showing off. It's not so you can say, look what I did when I prayed for this person in the name of Jesus. It is an extension of God's love to the world. Amen. Starting with his people, but then taken through Jesus Christ in his people to the world. It can be an extension of God's love to the world. Amen. I used to say this a lot. I, I as Dan pointed out, I, I, Move and operate in the realm of apologetics. That's proving that science and the Bible are not contradictory, but they are complementary. And often I will run into people that will not be convinced by a simple argument, whether it's scriptural or scientific. That's when the power of God is necessary. Amen. Because a miracle settles the argument. When God moves and there's no other explanation for it, it settles the argument. Amen. So God wants to demonstrate. In fact, he aches to demonstrate his love 
to his people and to the world. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 5.8. Romans 5.8. Before we can put ourselves in a position to receive signs, wonders, and miracles, we got to go back to the greatest demonstration in the history of the universe. And this is what this verse talks about. Romans 5.8 in the King James says, But God commendeth, that word means demonstrated, but God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. Amen. And if you can get a handle on this first and greatest demonstration of God's love, how much more will you be able to receive the much more demonstrations of God's love? Signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Spirit, and all the things that He's given us freely through Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me read it again because this is just, uh, it just, it helps me. Because, you know, I did some things back in the day. And sometimes I still feel shame and guilt about those things. And the Lord takes me back to this verse. He says, I commended my love toward you in that while you were yet a sinner, I still died for you. Think about it. When you were your most vile, when you were the most cringeworthy person you know of, when you were steeped in sin, Jesus died for you regardless of your sin. Amen. Isn't that comforting? I feel the anointing on that right now. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. No matter how much sin you were in, no matter how deep into sin you had sunk, no matter how vile a sinner you were, Jesus made the decision to die for you while you were yet in your sins. Glory to God. We could stop right there and say that we had church. Amen. Glory to God. But pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. And I'm not going to tell you because it doesn't matter. Because Christ died for me while I was yet in my sins. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. In fact, Revelation 13, 8 says it this way, and this is a mind blower. I'm a space and time guy, so I like mind blowers like this. Revelation 13, 8 says that I don't have it in the slides, but Revelation 13, 8 says that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. That means before the universe was created, he saw you in the depth of your sin. And he said, I got a purpose for you and I got a life for you and I'm going to die for you regardless of your sins. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Again, I say before any of us was born, before any of us had committed a single sin, Jesus saw us in our sins and decided to die for us regardless of our sins. I take great comfort in that. And you should too. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But as wonderful as all that is to contemplate, there is much more. There is much, much more. Let's reread Romans 5, 8 in context with verse 9 and 10. But God commendeth or demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. Verse 9 says, Much more then, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Part of the much more is being saved from wrath. Amen? That means I'm not going to hell because I'm a child of God. But also, now listen, I'm taking some license maybe with this, but I believe it also means the church will not go through the tribulation because we've been saved from wrath. Hallelujah. Now you can agree to disagree with me and we'll be all right because it's not essential to your salvation. But 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says, We have not been appointed unto wrath, but unto salvation through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Verse 10 declares, let me read it. For if when we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So being saved by the life of God is part of the much more that I want to get across to you this morning. Amen. That word there translated saved is the Greek word sozo. Sozo. It means to save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to make whole, to preserve, which includes clothing, shelter, and food. It's all part of the much more salvation, deliverance, protection, healing, wholeness, and provision. Amen. Hallelujah. Here's an example, one of my favorites from the Gospels, Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 through 33. This is in the New King James Version. This is so awesome. Starting at verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? You see, even when Jesus was walking the earth, he was in a much more mindset. He knew that he would give them much more than they realized he would. Amen. He's trying to get it across to him here in Matthew chapter 6. In verse 31, he says, Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Amen. God knows you need all these things. Amen. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and these things will be added to you. If we spent more time just seeking God and worshiping him, we would spend less time asking him to provide things for us. In fact, my prayer life these days, I almost never ask God for anything except for guidance and direction. I just praise him. I mean, I, I get in the hot shower, and I thank him for hot showers. I thank him for electricity. I thank him for letting me be born in the modern era where I got a television, I got heat in the 
wintertime. I got air conditioner in the summer. I got a car I can drive all the way across the country if I need to. I got a plane I can get on and I can go see my daughters in Nashville. Thank God that we live in this era, you know. Spend some time thanking God for things like that. And all the other stuff will just automatically flow your way. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, this church has never lacked for finances because when we first started this church with four people, we started with a robust mission budget. We said we're going to give money to missions right off the bat. Everybody else thinks we're crazy, but we're going to do it anyway. And we've been supporting missions, and we've increased every year our support of missions, and we have never lacked for finances in this church. Never. Every time I think I'm looking at the budget, I think maybe the the rent's going to be tight. You know what I do? I always go pay the missionaries first. And even sometimes when I paid the missionaries, it took the budget below what we needed for rent. And wouldn't you know, the money just seems to come in when it needs to. Amen. Because I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he's saying, you keep doing that and I got your back. Financially, I got your back. Hallelujah. I wasn't planning on saying that and I won't charge you anything extra for that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. I got a paraphrase. It goes something like this. Seek first the one who died for you while you were yet in your sins and all these things will be provided. Amen. I mean, if he did that, if he's already performed the greatest demonstration of power and love in the history of the universe, You think a couple hundred bucks is going to break the bank with God? Give me a break. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory. After all, which one took the greater measure of his power to provide? What he did through the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ or what he needs to do to bring you food, clothing, and shelter? It's a pittance compared to what he had to do with Jesus Christ. To forgive us of our sins. But there's much more. Hallelujah. Provision is part of the much more. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Forgiveness for your sins and the righteousness that goes along with that is more powerful and more was required of God than just simple food, clothing, and shelter. It took a greater move of God. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 17, I'm switched to the English Standard Version. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through one man, Jesus Christ. I'm telling you what, that is so profound. I just need to let that hang in the air for a few seconds. I say it like this. And the hits just keep on coming. Not only did Christ die for us while we were yet sinners, not only does the much more include salvation, deliverance, protection, healing, wholeness, and provision, but there's even more. We have received an abundance of grace. Hallelujah. And the righteousness that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6 has been given freely to us. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, this is not in the slides, but just hang with me. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. That word there means without precedent, that never before existed. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. All things are of God. That means that when you get born again on the inside of you, there's a person that's righteous and holy as God. Ephesians 4.24 says we need to put on the new man, which is created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Whether you realize it or not, one third of your three part being is wall to wall Holy Ghost. We don't think about it like that because we look ourselves in the mirror and we know us and we know all of our flaws. It's difficult to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But that's what the Bible says. Second Corinthians 521, just a few verses later there says he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. So I am the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus, not my own power, not my own righteousness, not my own holiness. And the challenge of the Christian life, I say this all the time, is to get that man to show up on the outside. To come from the spirit, through the soul, mind, will, and emotions, and affect even your body. That's the challenge. If you could ever live spirit, soul, and body according to the dictates of your inner man, you would walk in victory every second of your life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whew. And last but not least, that last phrase, I'm going to read that scripture again. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. We've got all of this much more that I'm already talking about, but we got even much more. Not only do we have those things, but we shall reign in life in Jesus. Amen. God made you to reign in life. He made you to walk on top of your circumstances, not to live under them. I asked a friend of mine one time, how you doing today? He said, I'm all right under the circumstances. I said, well, what are you doing under there? Now, the non-Christians don't get it, you know. They're like, huh, you know. But the Christians, you can sort of coach them a little bit. Listen, you're supposed to live above the circumstances. Jesus walked on the water. He didn't sink underneath the water, amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You have been commissioned to reign in life. Hallelujah. And it's born out in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. We're going to read it in the New King James Version. I love this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, there it is again, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ by grace. You have been saved. Hallelujah. Let me stop right there. It's by grace that you have been saved, not by anything that you did. If you go to verse 8, it says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, 
the grace and even the faith to believe that Jesus is Lord was a gift that was given to us. Amen. We had zero contribution to the salvation equation. We had nothing to offer. Let's read verse six. Got to read verse five again. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I got a twirl on that one. That's awesome. That's awesome. Listen, you might be here in body, but in your spirit, you're connected to Jesus. And he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, and you're sitting there in spirit and in position right there with him. I remember back March 20th, 2005, I had an encounter with the Lord, which made this so real to me. I was actually, I had my hands in the air. I'm asleep, mind you. I'm praying in tongues in my sleep out loud. It wakes my wife up. She watches and listens to the whole thing. And as I began to pray in the spirit on my bed, in my sleep, in my dream, I was standing before the throne of God. I saw a great white throne, just like the apostle John. I saw the father on the throne. I saw his shoes. I saw his shins, his thighs. I saw his midsection. All I saw his arms on the armrest. And I'm standing before him. I'm just worshiping God in tongues. And then I got to about chest high as I lifted up my eyes. And from chest high up was nothing but smoke. It was the glory of God. And I worshiped the Lord. With everything that was in me, I let those rivers of living water pour out of me. And at the end, the Lord from the throne in heaven spoke a word of prophecy to me that carried me through the next three or four years, through some really, really tough times that I had no idea were coming. And all of that happened because I was connected with Jesus by the Holy Spirit and I was with him positionally and I like to think about it like this I got up off the seat next to the right hand of the father and I walked out in front of him and I prayed out my petition before him not even knowing what I was praying about praying about the trouble that lie ahead and he saw it all and he knew it all and he gave me a comforting word that I still cling to to this day it was about future dreams that seemed like they were dashed. Anytime I feel like my future dreams have been dashed, I go back and I reread that prophecy. It's his word to me. Amen. Glory to God. This is all part of a much more. You're connected to the Father and to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And positionally, you are there in the Spirit. Sometimes when we're here worshiping, whether you realize it or not, you're before the throne of God, worshiping him in your spirit. It's a fact. It's a reality. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Whoo! Hallelujah. Not only have we been commissioned to reign in this life and we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But listen, he takes it one step further. We're going to reign in this life and then we're going to reign in the next life. Amen. Hallelujah says in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, that God has made us kings and priests unto him, and we shall reign with him. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus is coming back to planet Earth, and he is bringing us back with him. And we will rule and reign with him for 1,000 years. 
That's so literal in Revelation, you can't get around that. There are some people, you know, preterists and other people who believe that everything's already been fulfilled. I beg to differ. Jesus has not come back yet and set up his kingdom, amen, and shown us how we should rule the earth. This is the way I look at it. Jesus is going to say, you've had 6,000 years to rule this earth, and you've made a royal mess of it. So I'm going to come for a thousand years and show you how it was supposed to be done. Amen. Hallelujah. Then he'll carry us on into eternity. And then the city of Jerusalem, the heavenly city, will come across the space-time void. It'll be translated from that dimensional reality into this one. And it's going to come here. And my daughter's going, you're going over their heads. It's got to get here somehow. Amen. It's going to be teleported here, and I believe it'll hover over the old city of Jerusalem. And I even heard about some rabbis that have paintings that go back several hundred years. The rabbis believe it'll be exactly like that. In fact, they say in that scripture that says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. You break that down in the Hebrew, and it actually means pray that the two Jerusalems come together in peace. Check it out sometime. Pretty awesome. Hallelujah. Whoo, how did I get off on that? Listen, not only are we going to rule and reign with him, we're going to do it in new bodies. How many ready for your new model? You know, Bible says there's a new model waiting for you in the showroom of heaven. And when Jesus comes back, he's bringing that model with him and he's going to give it to you. If you're in the grave, you'll get it then. If you're alive and remain when he comes, listen, you'll get your new body in place. You'll be transformed in a nanosecond whoo, into the same kind of body that Jesus has. And we're going to rule and reign in superhero bodies. You think, I'm, hey, listen, you, we all, you wonder why superhero movies are so popular? It's a vision of the future. Why sci-fi is so popular? It's a vision of the future. They don't get a whole lot right, but they do get something right. We will rule and reign as superhuman beings with Jesus Christ over a race of natural human beings. I don't have time to teach on it. If you want to learn about that, go to my series I just preached about two months ago called The Rapture and Your New Body. Check it out. There's a three-part series, okay? I know Trish doesn't like it when I go there. She's like, the millennium people don't even know what you're talking about, baby. I think they know what I'm talking about. Some of you do, and those that don't, you can learn. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So to begin wrapping up, this is my first closing. Uh, I want to talk about a scripture that really captures this whole notion of much more. Just awesome. Romans chapter 8, verse 32. And this is, you, you, you need to put your shouting clothes on, get your shouting shoes on, and even get your jumping shoes on. Listen to this. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If we can remember as believers that God spared not his own son, he delivered him up for us while we were yet sinners, which was the greatest demonstration of love and power in the universe. If we can remember that, then we can more easily believe him for the much more that he provided for us as well. Amen. 
And one more thing concerning signs, wonders, and miracles, which I mentioned at the beginning. They're part of the much more also. Let me read or reread 1 Corinthians 2, 4. Paul said this, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Amen. If we can embrace the revelation that Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, which was, as I said before, the greatest demonstration of God's love and power in the history of the universe, how much more can we believe for demonstrations of love through signs, wonders, and miracles through us, for us, but through us to the world as well? Amen. How much more can we believe for those kind of things? So let's make a determination that we as the people of God are going to embrace the much more that the gospel has to offer. Let's remember that Christ died for us while we were the vilest of sinners. And if he did that, how much more will our heavenly father give us the much more that he has provided through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's teaching. Much more. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. <music>